0: December We're at the end of the year. It's done. 2016 is almost done. I'm just, uh, I'm kind of shocked. I, as you guys know, I'm heading to Europe uh, at the end of the month, Paris, France. And I've been looking at the numbers, the, the temperatures, and it's actually freezing typically in uh, December. And being a West Coast guy, I don't know what the heck's going on with that. I mean, I don't know sub-zero temperature. I, uh, I always tell my friends the story. I went to Boston. This is like five years ago for a conference. And, uh, of course, uh, not knowing what sub-zero temperature is, I, uh, uh, I got myself a, a, a goose down jacket and uh, had a, a, some gloves and a, a nice hat. But when I got to the Boston, they were dealing with a blizzard. It was like minus 14 degrees. And uh, I, I, I wasn't prepared. I, I froze. I mean, I, I should have had other uh, <laughs> clothing on. And uh, uh, this is what winter's all about for a lot of people. So I'm prepared. I'm going to go out and get those uh, thermals, those long johns, as they call them, from the past. And uh, everyone says that you got to have thermals in, in sub-zero temperature. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And we're going to get a couple of pairs. I'm not going to go through that agony again <laughs> of uh, suffering through the cold. Hey, which reminds me, I just read an article that uh, the whole United States is in for an Arctic uh, storm, call it. I just was reading that uh, Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska, had minus 40 degree temperatures. Now, I, I don't know. If any of you listening has ever been in that kind of environment, but a minus 40 must be one of the most um, um, amazingly cold uh, temperatures that um, someone could deal with. I I, I just can't imagine how uncomfortable that can be. So we're we're all heading into it. So I just read that we're going to be having a very early winter. Typically, winter starts on the 21st of December. But it looks like it's going to be significantly colder uh, fairly quickly. So get ready, get your long johns if you get if you have them. I, I'm a, I'm a, I don't I've never worn long johns, so I have no clue what they feel like. But uh, hey, if they're cotton, that's cool. I'll get a I'll get a, a quick uh, tu- tutorial somewhere. Maybe we'll go online and find a tutorial on it. Winter is here. Hey, check out. The, um, the Facebook page I posted a new series of, uh, of videos that were sent to me and I, I call them don't look down and it's the uh, it's a walking path at Machu Picchu and how these guys built this place is beyond me uh, the paths basically are on the edge of a cliff And uh, I think Machu Picchu is about 20,000 feet above, uh, or maybe it's 15,000 feet above um, sea level. And these images, uh, the don't look down images, are of this guy. He must have a a GoPro uh, camera on his hat, and he is walking down these stairs. And he'll occasionally look to the right off the edge, and he's looking down thousands and thousands and thousands of feet. There's no there's no barrier there's no net to catch you and uh, he he's very brave because people that are on this staircase they're they're freaked out there's a couple of people that are actually sitting on the stairs kind of like slowly moving their way down the stairs to get to the next section into the into the buildings and uh, it's just mind blowing uh, How far up Machu Picchu is it? The series is called "Don't Look Down," <laughs> so check it out. It's on the Facebook Earth Ancients page, and you can uh, you can see it right now. Hey, also a buddy of mine, a guy named Dwayne Flatmo, who is a uh, a world famous kinetic sculpture, sent me his latest machine. He uh, for those of you who don't know Dwayne Flatmo, uh, he is a kinetic sculpture artist. And he's best known for his Burning Man sculptures. Uh, the most famous is his 30-foot tall, moving, articulated octopus called uh, El Popo Mechanico. And uh, he sent me uh, a photo of his latest machine that he's animated. And the brilliant thing about Dwayne is that he takes parts of uh, discarded cars and garbage and metal and uh, household items, and he forms these machines. He creates all kinds of very, very fascinating machines, and, uh, and, and he articulates them uh, mechanically, so they're moving. And uh, he's just uh, posted the, um, this machine that he's going to be featuring this next year, 2017, at the uh, Burning Man in Nevada. So check it out. I posted it on Facebook. It's kind of a fun little machine that uh gives you an idea what these guys do at this event it's pretty pretty amazing hey uh the mexico trip's coming up path of the sacred maya i'm going to be doing a tour at, in uh, yucatan and there's some seats left it's april 2nd through the 8th uh we fly into moreta mexico and we're going to be touring five of the of the best known and, and uh most unique Mayan ruins in the Yucatan Peninsula. We're going to be at Mayapan, Chichen Itza, Massive Chichen Itza, Ekbalam, Koba, and my all-time favorite, which has probably one of the largest uh, pyramids in the northern uh, hemisphere of Mexico, which is Uxmo, Uxmal, U-X-M-A-L. Path of the Sacred Maya. Now, I took a look at this uh, at the original pricing, and uh, I've reworked the numbers. We've knocked it off by 400 bucks. And if you join the program, if you go to EarthAncients.com and look at the itinerary, and you sign up this month, um, we'll discount it an additional 200 bucks. I think it's we're, we're charging just a couple thousand. And it covers everything: your food, your travel, your hotel, uh, all the tour guys. You get a guy. We're going to have a a shaman with us, uh, a Mayan shaman. His name is Miguel Angel, and um, I haven't met him, but I know he's highly recommended. And there's something about these sites that is unseen. There's a a special type of of all I can say is it's an energetic uh, that is going on there. When you go to these places, there's something that's imbued in the stone. And, and, of course, we do know on a scientific level that a lot of these pyramids were built over cenotes or, or over water uh, for the specific reason that uh, – and also they're uh, also built uh, on top of geomagnetic fields that pop up into energetics. And they had an understanding of ancient uh, energetics that we don't understand. And so when you climb these pyramids, you're actually bathed in this stuff. You're bathed in the energy of the area. So come on out. Path of the Sacred Maya, April 2nd through the 8th. Uh, we're only going to take about 20 people, and I think we're about halfway there now. So don't delay. Come on out. Hey, as a reminder, Earth Ancients is brought to you by Gaia, and Gaia is offering... A special program uh, to join their um, their streaming media site for 99 cents for the first month to sign up, you get the entire streaming catalog. They have literally thousands and thousands of of streaming medias by uh, every subject. Uh, Graham Hancock, Harriman, um Harriman uh, Dave Wilcock on the pyramid, the power of pyramid, and this program is for you. Uh, It's made just for you. So if you go to Gaia.com forward slash Earth Ancients, you can join this program for 99 cents. Hey, check it out. I mean, 99 cents. Wow. If you don't like it, jump off. But check it out. Gaia. G-A-I-A dot com forward slash Earth Ancients. Okay. This is a special edition of Earth Ancients. That was the introduction music for a movie called Mission to Mars that was directed by Brian De Palma. And that was released in 2000. The movie is the story of a United States that sent a man-space program to the planet of Mars. What was unique about that movie was that not only did they get onto the surface, they discovered ruins and they discovered... A massive ruin that they actually entered, and inside that ruin, they found technology, they found information, and ultimately, a three-dimensional projection was presented, where they actually met the the, the former uh, inhabitants, Martians, and I thought that was quite unique because, to my mind. That is kind of uh, an accumulation of the research that had been done in the late 80s uh, by a number of research scientists, by people who had discovered that the planet of Mars not only had amazing geology, it also had archaeology. And we do know now that in 1976... Uh, and the usual image was discovered on the uh, surface of Mars, and that's known now as the face on Mars. And, you know, did these screenwriters pick up all this information? We, I, I think they did. I mean, the Viking satellite was the uh, 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 collector of amazing surface features. They, they fo- found uh, 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 amazing uh, ancient structures, a pyramid, uh, a face, a number of buildings that are on a massive scale. Uh, I think the face is estimated to be over a mile long by a half mile wide. And what what is it about Mars? Why is Mars so fascinating? Uh, today, the United States, NASA, has sent not only uh, satellites, but rovers and probes. The European Space Agency, ESA, has sent uh, satellites, the uh, Soviet Union, the Chinese, and an Indian uh, nation has sent satellites. But the Americans, NASA, has spent l- billions of dollars and uh, <clears throat> continues to spend billions of dollars uh, s- exploring the planet. For the most part, NASA tells us there's geology, wonderful geology. Uh, they, they tell us about an ocean that was there. Uh, We now have confirmed that there's water. Uh, Wonderful uh, geology to uh, expand on. But why are they not telling us what has been discovered, which I believe is, I don't know if you want to say a cover-up, but something's very odd uh, in the fact that numerous scientists, numerous research, research investigators have discovered what appears to be entire cities, Pyramid complexes built on a massive scale. When uh, confronted with this evidence uh, of ancient archaeology, NASA denies this, claims it's just a trick of light. Uh, why are they telling us this? Why, uh, with uh, the evidence in their face from scientists, research investigators, uh, they, they claim that uh, they're uh, misguided and it's very odd. I find it just very, very strange. So today's program is the ruins of Mars. And I have uh, with us today on a panel, three distinguished individuals who will tell us their impressions, their research, and why they believe there is artificial structures on Mars. My first guest today is George Haas. George is the founder of The Mars Research Group, the Cydonia Institute, his research encompasses over 20 years of study and analysis of NASA, ESA, uh, photographs of the surface of Mars, and uh, he's done great work. Uh, His website's fantastic. Uh, He's also the author of The Martian Codex, More Reflections from Mars, and Cydonia Complex, Reflections from Mars. Welcome, George. George.
3: Cliff, thanks for having me on this uh, uh, day here to, to discuss uh, some of these uh, strange anomalies that we're seeing on Mars. I'm
0: glad to have you. I guess my next guest is Dr. Mark Carlotto. Mark is an imaging, imaging scientist uh, with over 30 years of experience in satellite remote sensing and digital imaging processing. His first book, The Martian Enigmas, uh describes in detail his analysis of the images on the face and other unusual objects on the surface of Mars. I just discovered that uh, Mark also wrote a book called The Cydonia uh, Controversy, which I just started reading last night and uh, just a fantastic piece of work. Mark, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Cliff. Glad to be here. Great, great. Great you could join us. And uh, many of you remember our next guest, uh, Dr. John Brandenburg. John is a plasma physicist uh, working as a consultant with uh, Morningstar Applied Physics. Um, he's also a teacher at uh, uh, on astronomy, physics, and mathematics at Madison College uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. And he's the author of Life and Death on Mars. And uh, John, it's great to have you back.
4: Oh, it's, it's always great to be here, Cliff, and uh, it's such an honor to be here with uh, George and especially Mark Carlotto, who was really the chief imaging um, scientist for the whole Cydonia investigation uh, after yes. uh, Vince DiPietro and uh, Greg Molinar got it going.
0: Right. Now, I want to uh, let our uh, audience know that uh, all three of our guests today are from the Society of Planetary SETI Research, SPSR. Uh, which was formed by uh, Stan McDaniels, Dr. Stanley McDaniels, uh, a number of years ago. Uh, And um, they all continue their work. So fantastic that you all could be here. Mark, I want to start with you. Um, It's such a pleasure to have you on this program. I I don't think our audience quite understands um, what an image specialist is. It's a highly specialized uh, discipline. And I wonder if you could could uh, describe your work and how you interpret uh, satellite imagery. I think that would be a great starting point.
2: Well, image interpretation uh, has a long history. Uh, It goes back to um, the first cameras and people flying in balloons and looking down and taking pictures. And, you know, of course, the technology has gotten a lot more sophisticated, but, you know, when you have people looking at images um, images of, of uh, things that are unfamiliar, uh, sometimes illuminated in unfamiliar ways, there are certain rules of image interpretation. And so the art and science of image interpretation is pretty, you know, it's pretty mature. Um, so there are people that have a lot of expertise in looking at pictures and interpreting what they see. That's actually not what I do. What I do is I develop algorithms that try to do that automatically. So um my my day job is to find uh sort of generically speaking to find man made objects in terrestrial images. So given an image of, you know, thousands of square kilometers, find you know, find the military vehicles, for example. And right. um so so with that comes a whole mathematical approach. It tends to be less subjective and more, you know, mathematical or quantitative.
0: Okay. So, so let's that's how, get right yeah, to so it. That's uh, how I, I mean, you, go ahead.
2: Yeah, so, so you know, there's, there's two approaches. There's sort of a visual interpretation, and then there's trying to get a machine to do it. And right. um, to get a machine to do it, you, you there, you know, there's a couple of ways of doing that. You, you know, sometimes you start from first principles, and you know, uh, now machine learning is really popular. You know, you just take uh, what you're, whatever you're looking for, you train a convolutional neural network, and you give it thousands of images, and it finds, finally learns how to you know find what you're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. The approaches I took, I, I take in my work, and I applied to Mars involve using specific techniques like fractal models or shape from shading, um, right. things like that.
0: Um. Okay. So, yeah, you, you made a good point. So, a satellite will, will take a picture of the ground, and and uh, what most of, most of us might see as a, a square box, you can recognize that it might be a tank, uh, and um, you can enhance that using your uh, algorithms and other software applications. So... So that's basically a, 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 a primer for, for your work. Let's get into what Richard Hoagland uh, presents in his book, The Monuments of Mars, when he, he basically references you everywhere in that book, which I found was quite interesting. Uh, when when did you begin to take notice uh, uh, that this uh, object in Cydonia, known as the face, uh, was was very unusual and perhaps completely artificial. Was it like the first time you looked at it, it was like, wait a minute, something's going on there.
1: Yeah,
2: it was, a, it was a cold winter day in Boston. Uh, I don't <laughs> I long on.
4: Uh, Imagine that. But I was,
2: and he was
3: having was some Calmine B- tea. <laughs> uh,
2: I was reading the Boston Globe and there was a, an article, um, <coughs> and it was, uh, I traced it to uh, a group operating in the Bay Area, where you are now. And uh, I met a number of people uh, uh, over time, uh, over a several-month period of time, including uh, including Dick Hoagland. Um, originally, um, I, I contacted them in order to get some data tapes that had the, um, the Viking images. Um, the gentleman's name was Tom Routenberg, and he, w- he had made copies of the tapes, and he was distributing them to various researchers. And uh so I started looking at this uh after hours on my in, in my uh uh while I was working, you know, my day job back then I was working for a company called Task in the Boston area. And um and so, you know, I, I looked at these images and it was like, Wow, uh I you know, I, I didn't remember you know, I was around in nineteen seventy six, that was our our bicentennial, right? Mm-hmm. And um I remember Viking, but I didn't remember anything like this. And, uh, it was, I was immediately, um, uh, you know, fascinated by what I was looking at because the, you know, the impression of the face and you know, of these pyramidal structures and the complex and the alignments, it was just so striking how anyone could, you know, not say there's something here, uh, mm-hmm was just beyond me. And so that drew me into the investigation. It was the, it was the controversy. It was like, you know, the planetary community was so sure that it wasn't uh, artificial. And then you had this group of independent researchers in the Bay Area that were saying, hey, you know, it's, it's unusual. There's a lot of different criteria we can apply. And, and uh, you know, from looking at it from a lot of different angles, and it's really unusual. And um, so that, that controversy drew me in.
0: Okay. John, what what was your first point of uh, contact in viewing these um, these early images by Viking and the the face on Mars? When did, when did you kind of say, hey, there's um, something going on? Oh, it happened at a
4: here. peculiar time in my well, it was a cold day in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> in the, middle of the day after Christmas and um, I I I I had um, taken a job at a government laboratory. We were doing electron beam weapons and I had formerly worked on fusion energy, so I was kind of in shock at the fact that here I was now working on weapon systems where before I had worked on energy for humanity and so I was looking for something positive to focus on and I wanted to write a science fiction novel about Mars. A Mars colony, and so then there was this program that said, uh, you know, face on Mars, and I, I thought this would be something like Flash Gordon's, uh, you know, trip to Mars or something like this. With uh, you know, I, I, I was, I, I looked on it as something festive to occupy my mind during Christmas vacation, and instead here's uh, DePietro and Molinar presenting their two very good images of the face, complete with enhancement, false color, and. And they didn't even mention the pyramid, but I had just been reading about the Pyramids of Elysium the day before in Carl right. Sagan's book, uh, Cosmos. And so I was just stunned. And I, I must also say that this happened right... You've never been through an international crisis till you're at a nuclear weapons lab and go through yeah. an international crisis. You have people walking around who are dying of stress, because they are some part of the national command chain for nuclear weapons release. And you right. can see them just basically kind of dying inside as the crisis goes on. And I went through those at Sandia and at Livermore. So we had just gone through uh, the nuclear winter, which was discovered by because of a dust storm on Mars. Hmm. And so a wave of depression went through the laboratory where I worked that – No one would survive a nuclear war. People told me how desperate that made them feel. Mm -hmm. You know, I was working down the hall from these people, and they would tell me over lunch that they said, oh, I used to think if there was a nuclear war, I'd go home and get the wife and kids, and we'd head for the hills. This one guy said, now I'm just going to get up on my rooftop with a six-pack of beer watch the whole thing go. That's Mm -hmm. the mentality that was in our nuclear weapons lab where I was working on directed energy weapons, just prior to this um, program appearing. So I was very much kind of trying to focus on something positive, something otherworldly. And then on came DiPietro and Molinar, so I contacted them, and I was just, I felt full of excitement because I thought, you know, if we find a dead civilization on Mars, it'll end the Cold War. It'll it'll turn he, the human race this, uh, consciousness outward from the Earth rather than this Mexican standoff we're involved mm-hmm. in. And um, and I had a you know I had a four year old daughter at the, you know she was four years old. and I remember tucking her into bed, thinking, okay, she's gonna gonna grow up and face a nuclear war because we found a dead civilization on Mars. Because mm-hmm. I, I when. To me, I simply connected the dots immediately. I thought, this face looks artificial. The pyramids of Elysium look artificial. Bingo. Yeah. And I then I contacted Mol, Molinar and, I mean, DePietro and Molinar, and they told me about Dick Hoagland's investigation. And I had kind of a moment of truth. I mean, here I was a young, young scientist at a government lab, trying to start my career. I had, In fact, I'd had to change careers from doing energy fusion energy research, uh, plasma physics, to directed energy weapons um, mm-hmm. research. And I remember just weighing all the things that could happen to me. And then I decided, no, I'm going to do it because I want my daughter. I want, if there's a chance that this will end the Cold War, I'm going to take it.
0: So, what you're saying is, you you came out to say basically that you believe there's artificial structures on Mars. Yes. Publicly, publicly. So you. you oh, a absolutely. Career, you yes, I.
4: Uh, you. And uh, you know, and I knew that uh, this could ha- this could negatively impact my career, but I decided mm-hmm. um, that to pass up a chance to make a discovery like that at such a crucial time in human history, where our very futures mm-hmm. were were hanging by a thread, Um, and I. By the way, I did not know at the time, but we had actually gone through a secret nuclear weapons scare in Europe called Able Archer. Mm -hmm. We came as close to a nuclear war as in the Cuban Missile Crisis, but it was kept secret. Uh, Basically, Mm. NATO held a war exercise, and the Russians thought it was a preempt. They were we were going to do a first strike. Interesting. They thought this was a Trojan horse exercise, so, and we mm-hmm. didn't even know that. But there was this sense of urgency that myself and my other colleagues in the Dick Hoagland investigated, um, investigation felt that, that we had to do something to change the dialogue, the course of the dialogue mm-hmm. on Earth.
0: Interesting.
4: And so we uh, very quickly verified that the Petro Molinar had done a superb imaging work. I mean they were both imaging science. they were both electrical engineers. They'd done a great job. And uh, <laughs> they were very careful to copyright everything. So what was wonderful was Mark came along and just did the images and just released them every place.
1: <laughs> he yeah. didn't care
4: about copyright.
1: Well, so then
0: his Mark, images were the point. ones that
4: got circulated. What's that?
0: Right. I, I let, let's let's go to Mark right now because that's my next Absolutely. question. Mark did excellent work on uh, this uh, the Petri-Mullinar Pyramid, the DNM Pyramid, as it's known, and yes, right off the bat, uh, uh, Mark uh, Richard in his book *Monuments of Mars* really references that pyramid quite a bit. Can you talk a little bit about what makes it artificial? Because from high level, you know, the casual observer sees that it is it is very delineated in terms of its corners. It's a very unusual pyramid, but what? it makes it artificial in your mind.
2: Well, you know, this, it, I, you know, I can address the DNM uh, specifically, but let me start off by saying that I think all of these objects, um, first of all, they're, 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 they're so different from anything we've, we've experienced that the scale of these objects is so much larger than anything on earth or, you know, Fractions of a you know almost a mile across in some cases, um,
1: mm.
2: so they're huge structures. In Viking, uh, the imagery by today's standards are the, the the Viking imagery is fairly low resolution. So, and the sun angles were low, and these are really perfect conditions for viewing this 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 type of structure, and it really stood out as being artificial. Now, when you you know, looked at you know more recent uh, high-rise or more uh, global surveyor thematic uh, images of some of these objects. They they lose that quality because you're looking really close up. You're looking at the you know you're not looking at the forest. You're looking at the trees now. And <laughs> yes. what what and what happens? Um, you know, you've mentioned um, you know your trips. Um, Central America, and I've been to Egypt and you know you see these ancient uh, structures on earth and you're struck by uh, first of all by their age and how they you know they're recognizable but clearly they're they're degraded you know on earth we have erosional and depositional processes Mm -hmm. uh, that affect things and we same thing is true on Mars not on the moon uh, but on Mars and the effect of this is that over long timescales, um, the details become obliterated. And so uh, over very long timescales, what's left is the gross structure. So when you okay. step back, you know, look at low resolution of the pyramid, the face, they look like pyramids and faces. When you look closer, they don't look as artificial. And for so right. some, you know, the planetary communities... Response to that as well. Okay, clearly these are just natural formations. Right. However, if you look, if you go to Egypt and look at some really old structures, um, they are almost indistinguishable from the background geology. And you get to okay. this point where, as natural objects become degraded, uh, eroded, and affected by weathering over the years they start looking like geology again. And this, I believe is the case with these objects in Cydonia. Now the, the DNM has this unusual five-sided shape to it. And it has a similarity in shape, uh, to other uh, formations in that Cydonia complex as it's been Mm -hmm. uh, termed. This is a collection of features south, uh, southwest of the face. Um, and, and the same thing can be true of the face. You know, again, in Viking it was very striking. But in Mars Global Surveyor, that first image taken with the light coming from underneath, I remember getting a, a phone call from John and Vince that <laughs> night that uh, we're, we're we're going out and getting drunk. We we we've seen uh, we've seen enough. But as it turns out, it was you know looking at it that way it's really very predictable that it would look mm-hmm. the way it did, and oh, you know it wasn't Mark, very. Mark, very
4: that was a psyop, gotcha. you know. They deliberately took a picture at an oblique angle and unfamiliar lighting just to throw everybody off.
3: And then they released it to the public in a distorted uh, fashion without having... Oh,
4: absolutely. Right, I left, right, the whole thing right, was, right yeah. left, reversed. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they, they they didn't pro- contrast such... It was the poorest quality picture released from Mars since maybe Mariner 4... <laughs> right
0: yeah george george what what is your impression of why they would take such a poor photograph is that because they want to take people off the scent
3: uh yeah that was my thoughts and you know they did have the rectified image on their website but you know like you're discussing this program today you you know average citizen doesn't have the inclination to go onto the nasa website and look for it i mean this is back in 1998 when uh you know the Case was closed. I mean, CNN, they were, you know, laughing at the picture. You know, it didn't look like anything. Right.
4: Well, they uh, right. sorted
3: and they stretched they, out, they waited till bad.
4: everyone had to file their stories. They had a whole room full of journalists. We're not talking scientists. We're talking journalists waiting yeah. for the big picture,
1: the
0: yeah, big money was... shot. Yep. Yeah.
4: Yep. So they so, chummed uh,
0: them. Mark, I want to, I want you to continue with this D and M analysis because yes, I yes. find that this pyramid not only is it massive, but when I first saw that image, to me, and I'm a trained artist, I, I went to college and everything like that. To my mind, there there is uh, uh, there is intelligent intent in it in, in its construction. Obviously, when I mean something that's a mile, I'm just going to say roughly a mile across. It is a monstrous undertaking. And um, uh, is there any way for you to determine um, uh, what it might have looked like when it was completed uh, based on whatever superstructures are left?
1: So
2: so the DNM uh, looks like... uh, the structure of the dnm is similar to uh, other structures uh, again this is at a very sort of gross level um, to other right. structures in the Cydonia complex there's there's actually a feature called that that uh, it, called the fort and right. you can actually show yeah. by registering the fort with some of these other pyramidal objects that their overall uh, footprint is very similar And the foreign almost looks like it could have been a pyramid that collapsed. In other words, imagine a a pyramidal Mm. structure and Mm. collapse and it sinks down, and so you're left with sort of like walls. Um, And and so, what's striking to me is not uh, so much the specific uh, geometry. Which is which is intriguing, and and uh, geologist, an independent geologist by the name of Errol Torren, has done some great work looking at the different factors that could be could have been responsible for its creation, and found that there was no really compelling natural explanation uh, for the DNM. Mm -hmm. So so you have that, and then you have you know the DNM and the um, I forget there was another sort of shorthand term for this other pyramid in the complex and in the fort and you have these things that are about the same size sort of similar shapes sim- they seem to have, to have sort of a similar orientation alignment there there's mm-hmm. there you know and then then you know of course uh, dick Hoagland uh, speculated that this alignment might might somehow be related to um, to an equinox um alignment on mars um you know okay. so many uh was a half a million years ago something like that um right so it's again these sort of repetitive patterns and i know george is interested in these repetitive patterns too it's kind of a common theme you know um that you start seeing sort of something that's unusual but it happens over and over again that seems a little out of place right um it's exactly. a way of approaching things from a kind of a more of a like an anomaly so you've you know, you sort of look at the scene and say, these things don't look normal. You know, they're anomalous. And then, right. you know, I don't really know what they are, but, what, you know, so you kind of approach it that way.
0: Uh, and the, George, uh, I, I'm interested in, in what you have to say regarding the – you formed the Cydonia Institute, I don't know, 20 years ago or more. And when you look at Cydonia, uh, you look at it. Uh, as a, uh, a floor plan or, a, or a, a map of a city, don't you? I mean, it's it's if you if you look at how these different structures are laid out, uh, the face, the DNM pyramid, the fort, and, and a number of other smaller buildings and structures that are in that area, it's it's a city that's been laid out, isn't it?
3: Yeah, you can see the intelligent design way everything is placed and. If you know my background, studying Mesoamerican cultures, uh, looking at the, the complexes that the Maya built, uh, with, where things are aligned, and there are also, which is interesting, other uh, Mesoamerican uh, cities uh, which have these complexes where there's no alignment. It looks, if you look at aerial views of some of these temples, it looks like they're just haphazardly built. It doesn't. It goes totally against the whole idea where. Um, Hoagland had noticed that everything was aligned at Sidonia, So you can, you know, have evidence to support both ends. Uh, but what attracted me to this originally was, um, you know, which, um, as uh, Mark and uh, Dr. Brandenburg stated, it started for me on a warm summer afternoon. And I was looking at, uh, you know, television and heard <laughs> about the face on Mars. And I was living in New Jersey, and, uh, you know, it, it made the, the television. And I had never heard it. There was, the, of course, the bicentennial I graduated high school in 1976, so this happened that summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was like 18, 19 years old, and I never heard anything again about it for years until um, in the late uh, late 1980s uh, when I found out about Richard Hoagland's book. And uh, that was just before the the Mars Observer was going to Mars to to take new pictures of the face on Mars and clear this up once and for good,
0: but But it never made it to the planet. Yeah.
4: Me? What was that?
0: Oh, I think John was just. Uh, uh, I was just
4: saying. Yeah, they were yeah. saying. We're, yeah. Mike Malin, in particular, was saying we're gonna we're gonna show you guys we're gonna put this thing to bed for good.
3: Yeah. Right, but the Mars Observer never made uh, contact with the the. It never orbited, so uh, that was lost. And yeah. Right. Um, so I had gotten very interested in this and I bought uh, Richard Hoagland's book and I picked up uh, Molinaire's uh, information. And um, So the Sedona Institute started in probably around 1991 and we've been researching okay. this ever since.
0: Good. Excellent. Um, Excellent. I want to ask each of you this, this uh, to uh, give me your feeling on this next question. We'll start with you, uh, Mark. Given what we know today about the relative age of what I'll call pyramid cultures, the Egyptians, the Maya, some cultures in South uh, Peru. Uh, Carol is the most well-known that I can think of, which is a pyramid culture. Um, the oldest of these dates, uh, let's just say uh, twelve to 15,000. I, I think that um, there's even more speculation from people like um, Mark, uh, uh, excuse me, um, John West on the Sphinx, and the date of that could be twenty plus maybe fifty uh, thousand years. When you consider this, the great age of some of these uh, Earth-based structures, what can we say about Sidonia and some of these other areas in terms of age? And, and Mark, I'll start with you.
2: In the uh, late mid to late 90s, um, I, I hooked up with uh, uh, Baval and Hancock and West, uh, did a few conferences with them and became very interested in the, you know, Mars terrestrial connections and, you know, learned a number of things, a number of, of cultural references to Mars uh, in, in the Egyptian um, and Egypt, Egyptian myths and symbols, and saw that you know perhaps the face could have fit into a a a puzzle. Uh, you know where you know the, the face on Mars was the Martian analog of the Sphinx on Earth, and
0: the pyramids, of
2: course, <laughs> and the pyramids. You know that there were there were similarities. In fact, at the end of the Cydonia con- controversy, uh, I uh, actually get into some of those speculations, and. You know, I, in fact, I, you know, I was thinking, yeah, perhaps this, these alignments, uh, these these coincidences or correlations, maybe they didn't occur a half a million years ago, uh, like uh, Dick and had said, but maybe they were more recent. And I looked at the at the um, obliquity model um, published by Ward, um, and it shows that you know there were there were other possible uh, uh, alignments that could have occurred more. Uh, more recently uh, alignments. This is the, uh, the equinox, uh, sunset, I'm sorry, the summer solstice, um, right. Sunset, uh, on Mars. I was saying equinox before I meant to say the uh, solstice. Um, and you know, so I was, I was thinking, yeah, maybe it's, it's much more recent, but you look at, you know, and as you look at more and more of these images from Mars and you see the the weathering and the uh degradation um the state of these structures um that we never found the uh you know the the pile of machine parts in the construction site you know the things that i remember mike malin saying you know if there are uh, artificial objects on mars they'll be you know there'll be the things that go with them, like the construction sites and the roads and the, you know, all these other things you know that you, that you find on earth. But if these things are ancient, you know, uh, incredibly ancient, uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, like I said earlier, over time, weathering has the effect of destroying the smaller, the smaller things. So all these things, all this subtle, all these other, you know, things that you would expect to find are gone. You're only left these big, degraded structures. so as I thought about it more and more it's, you know and over the years I, I think that if these structures uh, are artificial on Mars they are incredibly ancient uh, they mm-hmm. go back uh, you know hundreds of millions billions of years uh, to a time when Mars Mars did have water um,
0: so I, hundreds of not, hundreds you know, of millions of years old you're saying hundreds of millions
2: billions I mean you know if you go back to when they thought there was oh lots God. of water on Mars it was a long time ago Wow. Um, but, you know, and then this gets into the whole thing about, you know, the evolution of, of, of man and life, the origin of life on earth. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of speculation about this, but there's only one data point, the earth. And so, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff about exobiology, it's all pure speculation. And so we really don't know. We need that second data point. And so I think, and as scientists, we have to be as open-minded as possible, because if we if we're not, we're going to miss that that second data point. Because it may be it may be subtle. It may not be what we're exactly what we're looking for, what we expect.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: perhaps we'll find that on Mars. Um, but I, yes, I think they're they're incredibly ancient structures.
0: Wow. Okay, John, what do you say?
2: Oh, uh, Mark's uh,
4: points are very well taken. Uh, you know, when, when a human being looks at, like, a face, it basically says, has it got two eyes, it's got a nose, it's got a mouth, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it doesn't look for the fine details. It only looks at that later. And so, in a sense, the Viking images were perfect for additional identification. But if you look at any archaeology on Earth close up, it, it looks rubbleized. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. the Sphinx. The, they've touched up the Sphinx. Um, yeah. You know, when the Sphinx was originally uh, becoming a tourist attraction, it really looked terrible. Its nose mm-hmm. has been shot off. You know, it's um, it had um, sustained an yeah. enormous amount of damage.
0: And, Heavily eroded. You know, too, so, so yeah.
4: if you look, if you look, focus in on one little part of the Sphinx, all you're going to see is rubble. The same with the pyramids. So you have to basically. Uh, gauge, uh, as, as Mark does, uh, look for a certain correlation set of features at a certain size scale, a certain kind of wavelength, spatial wavelength. And that's where you make, make, your, make your analysis. I view the fact that the things are... The pyramid, the face... And by the way, the pyramid is like 5 kilometers from the face. They're, if you show a picture of frame 7813 taken from Viking... That's enhanced. All it's it's you, you immediately conclude you're looking at a site of civilization because here's a face and here's a pyramid right next to it and they line you know they they hmm. look like they are aligned with each other and so I look on the erosion on the on the heavy erosion on the face and the uh, pyramid as is seen in the new in the latest pictures as evidence that yes Mars. This dates from a time when Mars climate was similar to Earth because there's heavy erosion. The same processes, the same conditions on Earth that allow human life, allow people to build civilizations and monuments, also destroy those monuments in time.
0: Right. So your estimation for age is what?
4: Oh, about 200 million years ago.
0: Incredibly ancient. I in just can't. Term. I mean, it's so hard for me to conceive, uh, uh, both Mark and John, your your estimates on those ages, because it's so inconceivable when we relate it to Earth history.
4: Earth... Oh, I I know. There, In, yeah. in my opinion, in my opinion, yeah. scientifically, yeah. there is no connection, except maybe a psychic one, between Earth civilization and... The Mars, uh, the Mars civilization phenomenon. They are two okay. separate biological entities. I, I I happen to kind of believe in the Jungian uh, collectives unconscious, so I think we're there 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 may be parallel parallelisms, just like there are eerie coincidences on Earth um, okay. that happen all the time. Um, I mean the pyramids in middle Me- in uh, old Mexico versus the pyramids in Egypt. I mean, yeah. some sort of cultural equilibration was occurring, but mm-hmm. how? Nobody knows. Yeah, how was
0: it done? Yeah. How was it done?
4: And the, and the and the the pyramids in Mexico were built thousands of years after the pyramids in in Egypt. Yeah. So we're surrounded by mysteries. I, I basically. Take that time from based on, of course, the isotopic work I've done and also right. the ages of when. how long did the ocean, how long did Earth like conditions seem to last on Mars with a liquid ocean, etc.? And that right. seems to be about a quarter of a million, quarter of a billion years ago, even okay. before the dinosaurs.
0: Let's go on to George. George now, it's interesting that you both are uh, in the. Tens to hundreds of millions of years uh, mark perhaps billions which is just mind blowing but George uh, off uh, have, and I have talked uh, and recently and he has uh, presented this new area uh, Cerberus uh, yes assumption uh, of Mars very
4: in, it's very interesting by the way
0: yeah now George you believe that area is between fifty and a hundred thousand years which is more relatable for me just because uh, as a terrestrial earth person <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i can kind of i can kind of see well, that so tell um, us a little bit a little about cerberus and why you feel that's it's much younger i guess it's a secondary so civilization that may have uh arised from the ashes of the earlier civilizations is that what you feel well,
3: that, that's what um uh, bill saunders my uh, co-author that's done a lot of research with the uh, the Sidoni Institute here uh, uh, research papers, science papers, and our first two books.
0: Um, okay.
3: And Bill's a uh, geomorphologist, has a uh, geology background. Uh, and looking at the um, the comparisons that we've made with uh, Mesoamerican culture, you know, starting with the face on Mars with its bifurcated human feline look. Um, now, this may sound strange, but uh, you know, Dr. Brandenburg was just saying that you know the the Mesoamerican Pyramids are, you know, built a lot later than the Egyptian pyramids. But if we go to a discovery back in 2000 uh, in Corral, Peru, uh, there's a whole complex down there, and they've uh, dated yes. the whole area uh, to possibly uh, 4,500 years ago. That's, uh, you know, 2,500 B.C. So that's wow. right up there with the pyramids. And I was not aware of, the, of
4: that. I'm some sorry. of the
3: archaeologists down there have... Thinking that this may date even to five or six thousand uh, mm. years old, so it's okay. pretty amazing. And uh, this is all very similar type of architecture that you find in uh, Mesoamerica. Very similar uh, type of constructions. Anyway, but looking at the uh, iconographic aspect of these things that we found, we found a lot of uh, bifurcated faces and uh, animal figurines, pictographic stuff. Um, but this new stuff that we're looking at, that uh, Cerberus here, that region, Uh, these are all pyramidal, and they look like uh, things that American Indian, the mound builders would build. They're very, very similar to this uh, this idea of a a megalithic culture that Dr. Brandenburg talks about existing on Mars.
0: But Bill and I,
3: we think that these structures were built after uh, Dr. Brandenburg's uh, nuclear war on Mars. And uh, this was the uh, surviving culture that built this stuff and eventually came to Earth. And that's what we're seeing there, and that's why a lot of these are so well-preserved. And then Mars eventually just dried up and became a dead planet. And, right. Uh, right. That's just our theory. I mean, we're not going to know anything until we go there, and it seems like nobody's going there to put any feet No, on
4: we're going to go there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm convinced we of it now. About
3: but if that's the listeners are wondering what we're talking about with this uh, Cerberus region of Mars, I invite them, uh, if they have access to a computer, just go uh, type in the Sedoni Institute. Uh, Once you get to the Sedoni Institute website, Mm -hmm. uh, go to the uh, toolbar at the top, and it'll say Discussion. Just click on the Discussion tab, and you can go to the uh, Sedoni Institute Discussion Board, and uh, when you go to the general board, there's a whole list of topics that are on there. There's the Temples in Ruin. uh, There's the... Uh, the um, Mound Builders on Mars is what we're talking about. Just click on that and take a look at those. Uh, if you like to enlarge the images, you, I'm sorry, you, you have to become a member. Just sign up. It takes you about five minutes while you're listening to the show, and then you can uh, look at the images in, in a larger context. But uh, I invite all the listeners out there to take a look at what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, we'll come back to uh, uh, Cerberus in a second. I want to talk uh, about technology if we can. Mark, I'm interested in... Kind of getting a sense of your uh, what you believe this early civilizations uh, science technological uh, focus may have been. Uh, is there any way for us to to speculate on what it would take to build these monstrosities? Uh, a society with mechanical equipment, a society with some kind of machinery. I mean. Uh, You've already given some good ideas that because of the Great Age, there's no roads, no entrance, exits of uh, any uh, visibility, no piles of rubble, no whatever. Uh, I will say this, though, in um, uh, a book by Mike Barra, uh, Ancient Aliens on Mars. I don't like that name, but that's the name of the book. He uses uh, European Space Agency photographs to show superstructure and a lot of heavy, heavy, what it looks like girders and beams, on the right side of the, of the face on Mars, and um, it's the first time I had seen that. I think he used thermal imaging or something, but given that information, what what do you say about their uh, their technological uh, prowess, if any?
2: Uh, well, you know, to pro- let me just put this question into perspective. We don't even know how they built the uh, pyramids in Giza. <laughs> I mean, you, you, turn on, uh, ancient, you turn on ancient aliens or a Nat Geo and they're still making <laughs> it, programs. It. They're still trying to figure that out. And, yeah. uh, you know, we can, we can go there all the time and people have been studying that for, you know, hundreds of years. Uh, we still don't understand. Um, we still can't wrap our heads around how... Um, people with the level of technology of the uh, ancient Egyptians, how they were able to cut, transport, lift, maneuver, position, stack these enormous number of, of, granite blocks, and then cap it off with a limestone. And then, you know, you go in the pyramid and this, the, the, the design of it is bizarre. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. The it's, interior it's, it's, is amazing. It's yeah. mind blowing. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, and it's one of these things you know the later constructions in Egypt just n- n- never really held up and they they're much more degraded and much less impressive than the than the earliest uh, structures so you know if we're dealing with something on Mars that is vastly older the mystery is going to be vastly greater I know this is not answering your question um, but uh, you know it's, it's a level of, of engineering that um i think probably has to be you know far greater than any ancient people on earth ever possessed
0: yeah. probably
2: more than we possess at you know at this point in time um uh, that's arguable but um so that's a long-winded answer or long-winded way to okay say i don't know
0: uh, I, I asked it for a number of reasons. Uh, uh, I, I hear that, and I acknowledge that you uh, gracefully say I don't know. But we know a lot about the atmosphere. We guess that it was thinner than Earth's uh, at a certain time based on geology. And uh, some have speculated, some authors have speculated, that if, if the atmosphere is in a such a, a state, it might have been easier to move massive blocks into place, massive structures, and build on such a megalithic, huge scale. Uh, uh, Is that a consideration, John?
2: Uh, I
4: looked at this carefully in the very beginning of the um, Hoagland, you know, the Independent Mars Investigation Team, and I immediately came to the conclusion, based on just energy requirements, that these things were modified landforms that you know they they took a hill that looked like a face and they added they carved it and they added brick facing to it to resist erosion make it more permanent uh, that's what i think these things are i think that if you get into the core, if you if you get into the core of the great pyramids at, you know at giza you find stonework but if you burrow into these things you'll finally probably just find just dirt and um Simply because there's such an enormous scale even under one third gra- uh you know one forty percent of Earth gravity, which is what's on mars mm-hmm. the the um, amount uh, you know we're looking at the canonical ten thousand men working for, t- you know thirty years uh they they could they could remove a bunch of rock and soil and put uh, facing brick uh down on a object to make a pyramid out of it and um So, also, uh, George has uh, done some excellent work recently. At the base of the pyramid, there looks like there is a city, the ruins of a city. I found this earlier, and I have it on my webpage, but also uh, lifeonmars.pub. But George has also looked around and found, you know, cellular structures very dense around the base of the pyramid well, and I'm sure he has D-M that D-M on his Cydonia Incident uh, Institute.
3: A, like you're talking about the d Pyramid.
4: Yeah, the D&M Pyramid. There appears to be a city that may have housed almost a million people there. Hmm. So this is, in fact, it was quite sad to see this uh, when I okay. first found it, uh, because you, you look on, here is a ruined city, that looks like it would have held as many people as uh, you know San Francisco, and um, wow. yeah, and it's at the base of the pyramids where you would expect. So that, you know, we we were not uh, us investigators were basically not looking for fine details like the possibly ruined buildings. We looked at the big the big stuff and now that the high resolution pictures are there you can see what looks like the eroded remains of a city in fact it reminds me of the mountains of madness by hp lovecraft
1: <laughs> interesting <laughs>
4: which featured five sided <laughs> buildings and uh, you know this ruined city uh, down in antarctica in in, the, in his in his short story
0: yeah george, and uh, uh, this is, is, is uh, uh, so yeah so, so george is it is it um Is it a reason for NASA to just uh, claim uh, uh, or not acknowledge uh, your work and the other work of independent scientists simply because it just doesn't look like it could be uh, uh, the ruins of an ancient city? Is it just too mind-blowing for them to acknowledge that it could be uh, a ruin from an ancient... A society is it is there something that's going on with JPL and, and NASA uh, is it is it is it something that that they just cannot acknowledge uh, until they get over there or do you think they know and they just can't tell people right now uh, uh, because of the Brookings report and that influence on NASA?
3: Well, I think one of the main problems with the, the NASA scientists, they're scientists, they're geologists, um, they're looking at geology. Uh, I don't think it even comes into their realm of thought that they're going to be looking at anything that might look like ruins. Mm-hmm. And they're just looking at the geology. Um, it's like looking at aerial views of uh, indigenous mounds that are built out in Wisconsin and in Ohio. If you look at aerial views with the grass over them, they just look like little hills and things. There's, they, may be, yeah. they may have some type of uh, alignment and placement and look like a ceremonial uh, complex to you or I, but somebody that's a geologist goes, oh, these are interesting uh, mounds here, and they'll give it some kind of geological term. And as we discussed earlier, they'll go to the the lengths of uh, any type of geological explanation to go against artificiality before they would even consider that. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the real conspiracy that NASA and the the people working there know about this and they're trying to hide it. Um, I think anybody with an open mind and any kind of artistic background and a knowledge of ancient cultures and looking at some satellite imagery – these thoughts could come to your mind that, hey, this looks artificial here. This is interesting. But I don't think anybody, you know, their their bosses don't want to hear that.
0: <laughs> hmm. uh, but, I mean, uh, Mark, is this, uh, are, are we all mass uh, diluted? Is this uh, just, uh, what is it called, pareidolia uh, uh, in action uh, where we want to see something? Uh, or is this actually proven, uh, ruins, I mean, I believe there are ruins. I believe this is archaeology, but I mean, a- as an example, some of the latest rover imagery reveals a-, a horrific event on the surface of the planet where there's machine parts, buildings in disarray, uh, destroyed by a horrible, uh, powerful uh, a force, even bits and pieces of what appears to be sculpture. I mean, I mean, what's going on? Yeah.
2: Okay, so do you, do you remember what it was like before there was Google? Like, yes, I do. If, uh, okay, so like, vaguely, you know, you're sitting around, <laughs> you're sitting around after dinner, and you're, you know, you're talking about something, and there's some disagreement, and you know, that disagreement could lead to a discussion or an argument or whatever that could go on all night, right? Because you know, you would some yeah. things just uh, you didn't have the means to. To determine the the correct answer, uh, you'd have
3: to go to the library.
2: It, yeah, I mean, it was that's right. And and you know, at uh, eleven o'clock at night, maybe that wasn't an option. But then, I, and I remember this the first time I was having we after dinner we were having some discussion uh, at home here, and and I said, you know, let me just Google it, and it was like it was there, and it was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, you know, this it, it kind of puts a uh, you know a damper on these lively discussions because now everything is settled in in a few seconds. Life is a lot, (laughs) lot, is quite a bit, you know, more boring now. But, um, the reason I, um, where I'm going with this is you got, um, you got this visionary Elon Musk and SpaceX who is going to Mars. That, that is why he's doing everything. That's, that's why he's doing Solar City and Tesla and SpaceX and everything. That is, that is the grand plan, to go to Mars. And all of this, I know it's kind of boring to say, it, but all of this doesn't really matter. He's going to get there, and uh, people are going to go to these sites, and they're going to find out. And I would love to be, you know, on the team that helps him, helps that, those, first, those early expeditions, go to these likely sites and you know, maybe we need a, a top 10 list of possible sites where they can go and, <laughs> and, and they can yeah. check these things out. And that's going to put this whole thing to, to rest. Um, I don't think, I don't really believe that NASA, I mean, they had their chance and I think they're, um, we use a term at work called, you know, we, we say something's OBE, uh, overcome by events. In other words, it's, doesn't really matter anymore. I think what NASA thinks and the planetary community thinks doesn't really matter. If, if SpaceX gets to Mars and develops that capability, then it'll be independent explorers that are, you know, going on these trips and, and expeditions that are are organized and, and um, conducted to go to these sites. And so I think it would be really cool to say, you know, what are the, what are the top 10 sites? And maybe you know, this yeah. new one that George discovered, that, that's pretty compelling. And, of course, there's Cydonia yeah. in the face. This is, I think, where we should be focusing our energies in the next few years because stuff is going to start happening. You know, I'm kind of jazzed. I've been watching all this, the new Mars stuff now and, and following SpaceX, uh, yeah. you know, their, their their work. And it's very it's a very exciting time to be to be alive. And, and I grew up during Apollo. And I was so, you know, after that ended, it was like, uh, ugh, all the air was, like, let let out of the balloon. But now it's even a bigger balloon, and it's even more exciting. So that's kind of where I'm, that's where my head is at right now.
3: Okay. Mark, if I could ask you a question. Uh, What do you think of Sarah Parchek's work with the, the satellite imagery, finding ruins on the Earth? Yeah,
2: that's fascinating stuff. Um, and, and they found some amazing things that, that, that trigger these, 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 like, investigations where people go there and they actually – there's something in uh, Africa, I think. Uh, a bunch yeah, I know, of circular she's found structures.
3: over 3,000 3, pyramids and stuff. It's amazing. Have you contacted her yeah. with your early work with Mars? Or is she just afraid to I, talk to I, I haven't, like you? no. She's at the University that of Alabama. About,
0: uh, is she I, the one that's I, been I, on, is is reported she, uh, on CNN uh, exposing – she's a scientist, right?
3: Yes, she's a yeah yeah. An I think I've heard about her yeah, and she works with yeah. uh, directly with NASA taking uh, satellite imagery.
2: Wow. Yeah. Well, th- that's um, that's great. I mean, that's what you know. NASA has a lot of uh, of means to, to do that. But you know, again, with Mars, I mean, they are sending these probes, but and they're collecting. I mean, if it wasn't for NASA and JPL and ASU and all these other
1: exactly um, great organizations, we wouldn't be
2: here. But what i'm saying is and it's not, not i 'm not trying to be disrespectful but but what I'm saying is we don't have to convince the planetary community anymore We're, it's the, the movement is far enough along now that that other independent investigators will will pick up will pick up the ball, and so we just need to get with them to make sure that they go to these places and check them out i I, I like to know hmm. before I die
0: <laughs> yeah so, I mean, I mean, it, uh, would, it would be nice yeah. to know um John, yeah. let me just ask you this, and let's get it out of sure. the way. Uh, um, uh, as we know, uh, the Br- Brookings Institute uh, report uh, was done in 1961. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And uh, many people feel that it's been an, a, a big uh, uh, factor in a lot of things that NASA's NASA. Oh, does. absolutely. But part of that was, and, and, and don't quote me on it, I'm just going to spit out what I remember, is that that perhaps... Uh, Alien archaeology will be found, uh, but uh, it's important not to reveal alien contact because it will freak people out and the world will come to an end. Uh, Something like that. Um, Why the hell would they, and do you think that they still are abiding by that report as a uh, determining uh, uh, administration, you know. I mean, I well, just, I'm jet, just curious.
4: Jet, jet propulsion, maybe. Lab, maybe. But you know, the the, the whole space community. You know, they've got other facilities now. University of Arizona runs some of the space probes, and they're obviously not following the same sheet of music as JPL. Yeah. I was at a conference, and the guy from uh, Arizona just presented nice enhanced pictures of the face and the. Pyramid, <laughs> and it was just there was just this shock in the room, like, oh my yeah. God, he's showing the pictures, and uh, and uh, and then uh, you know, and he just said, here they are, and it was obvious that this was making the people from JPL, this is a conference at Pasadena, uncomfortable with mm-hmm. him showing this. But uh, I guess I would like to point out, you know, that you know, Don Acker is one of the unsung heroes of this whole thing. He used to be the editor of UFO Magazine. He discovered that Brookings report, and it just was dynamite because it it said, okay, in the original DNA of NASA is the fact if you find anything that looks like archaeology on Mars, you cover it up. And, in fact, it says we're expecting to find it, and you you must be prepared to cover it up. This coincides with I talked to a retired JPL fellow, um, when I was part of the Clementine mission to the moon, and he was one of the consultants, and he said, when the Mars Observer, the first orbiter of Mars, uh, was getting ready to uh, assume orbit around Mars, armed guards suddenly appeared at the photo lab. Hmm. And the, the lab management issued a memo saying, uh, pay no attention to these armed guards behind the curtains. They're there to protect us from terrorists. This was in 1969. <laughs> and, and so what happened was he said the scuttlebutt around the coffee machine was that they were afraid they were going to take a picture of some pyramids or something like that, and they wanted to make sure that those pictures never left the photo lab.
0: Interesting.
4: And so this – but anyway, the, the the U.S. government has a much more jaded view of scientists than the public – uh, they, they for one thing they know scientists are on the payroll and are very grant dependent. we will basically tell the government anything it wants to hear if there's money <laughs> in it. But but I'm I'm sorry. I I you know that's 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 big science. But also they know also that you know professor blowhard will always say something is scientifically impossible until it's discovered. <laughs> And and, and so the government is used to scientists telling them that nuclear power or space travel is impossible until suddenly it's presented to them, and suddenly Sputnik is orbiting over their head. And so the U.S. government basically was imbued with Percival Lowell's view of Mars, and it Mm -hmm. stuck with them. And they just said, there probably is a dead civilization on Mars, and we must be prepared to find it. And so they were. When they found the pyramids of Elysium, you'll notice that you never saw any mention of them or any pictures of them until the Viking. Yeah, and then uh, well, Sagan the face talks on about Mars, the
0: pyramids of Elysium, not he? he? Sagan that, brought those up. Carl Sagan. That's right, brought and those that
4: up. came out at about just after Viking. Yeah, and I'd never seen or heard anything about it before. And then it suddenly popped up in Carl Sagan's work. And then, yeah. and it, it, you know, I happen to have just by coincidence been reading about that, looking at those pictures the night before I saw the face on Mars for the first time. So I'm just saying the government, U.S. government, uh, knows that Mars is too important to be left to Mars scientists, basically, just like yeah, war is too important to be left to generals. Yeah. It's, it's uh, that's that's uh, to paraphrase Winston Churchill. So Mars is too important to be left to Mars scientists. They know that nobody knows what happened on Mars, and it looks like a dead planet. It looks like it was Earth-like at one time. So they yeah. expected to find a civilization, or at least they were certainly prepared for that possibility. And then they found one. Now. Yeah. They are providing us, and, and Mark is very right to point out that without NASA and Jet Propulsion Lab, we would not have all these images. If they were conducting a real cover-up, they would have just—they uh, would never have sent any more probes to Mars after Viking. Mm-hmm. But they have sent more and more probes, and they—this government has probably got uh, ten billion dollars worth of spacecrafts. Either orbiting Mars or roving around on Mars, we are invest. (laughs) The U.S. government is preparing to make Mars the fifty-first state, basically, and we are dead set on going to Mars. You know, George, uh, Mark, and I are part of a movement by the human race to make Mars Mm -hmm. part of the human realm. And
1: we, uh, we
4: ourselves uh, know, probably we. We probably know more about Mars and why we're going there than people in the government do at this
0: point. Yeah, I I think that uh, uh, Mark has it right that the the time is coming. There's independent, uh, oh, yes. uh brains like uh, uh, Musk that's going to go go out there with. Uh, with their with their own rockets, with their own technology, and get up there. Well, the government's um, going to
4: make sure it tags along on those expeditions. Believe me,
0: I well, was hoping the Chinese would get there and and get their rovers because when the Chinese landed their rover on on the moon, the images that came back, first of all, they were brilliantly uh, uh, vivid. Oh yeah, they're brilliant.
1: Beautiful.
0: And I thought to myself, why are we getting such crap uh, from NASA? <laughs> The imagery was so poor, I and mean, then here's the Chinese with these brilliant, rich-colored surface features, where the the the, the, no. the even the uh, soil looked different than what we had gotten back. I'm thinking, why? What are, are yeah cameras, well, uh, You know, what's going on?
4: I know. I the, 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 there, there was a beautiful picture of the far side of the moon with the Earth in the distance released by the Chinese. I just loved it, and I realized. Boy, these people are not playing from the same sheet of music as the U.S. government and the entire NATO alliance at all. Yeah, they are playing on it. They're they're singing their own song.
3: Well, and NASA, NASA had offered their, their help with the, the Chinese.
1: Oh, they, I'm they sure were, they're, they're going to help. What
4: was being released?
3: Uh, that was a pretty interesting story a couple of years ago. They were offering China, you know, all this kind of help and everything. So I guess they didn't take them up on it.
4: No, no, they did not. They, no. the, Chi- the Chinese would love to land on Mars first and discover Cydonia first. That's not going to happen, though. Yeah. Um, based on my understanding and, and the fact that we have all this data, I mean, the face on Cydonia is probably the most photographed thing on Mars at this yeah. point. And, uh-huh. and you see it everywhere. And... The the government wants it to come out at this point. In fact, I've done an analysis. If you remember, uh, you'd say, okay, suppose the U.S. government, for whatever, however method it has available, knows we're not alone in the universe and decides it has to break this to the public. What is the best way to do it? Well, if if you get a radio broadcast from another star or something like that, this creates a crisis, because then there's a debate about who whether to answer it or not. You remember the movie Contact?
1: It oh, yeah. created a
4: crisis. Now, finding a dead humanoid civilization that looks primitive on Mars, that's the, the ultimate soft landing for the human race. They're dead, they're primitive, we, we can maintain our sense of being... <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're millions of years old. They're there
4: millions there of years old. They, did, they didn't have horns on their head or fangs.
1: Yeah.
4: they look like they were. They look like us. It's kind of very validating yeah. for the human race. And not yeah. only that, um, it still presumed it's still, it still. Human race can then say, well, at least we're still the most technologically advanced people we know of in the universe.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can still. <laughs> you got to give hill.
4: human ego mm-hmm. its place.
1: Yeah.
0: And,
4: so this is the ultimate soft landing, and this is why I believe the U.S. government has made a decision that this is coming out.
1: Huh.
4: That's you know, why we're having this. That's why we're having this discussion, and why we have so much data. I found on the pyramid of Elysium, uh not pyramid of Elysium, the uh, DNM pyramid, a place where there was a what looks like a square area of brickwork has fallen loose and exposed, and sure enough. As soon as I published it in my book, Death on Mars, close-ups of that, um, they went and re-photographed it.
3: They photographed twice. it twice.
1: <laughs> Thank really? you. So incredible. I have
4: it up on my website. And uh, and so they they took really nice pictures of this, and they're obviously investigating it themselves. Oh, by the way, uh, Mark uh, Carlotto was the first person to point out that there was, uh, you know, ornaments on the top of the helmet he found these in the viking pictures and they've been confirmed now with the new pictures they're eroded mm. but there's still ornamentation yeah. and and what we did were suspected was that there'd be nostrils in the nose and those are clearly apparent in the nineteen eighty eight nineteen ninety eight picture released by uh mark, uh... mark and by the way uh, uh, Golden of NASA, the head of NASA, got that picture on his desk within a few hours. I can, I can tell you that. And let's one of the reasons on. that Let's, Carl,
0: uh, let's that, move on. I, I want to uh, talk sure. with Mark a little bit about uh, his uh, other discoveries. We talk a great deal about Cydonia, um, but where uh, have you discovered uh, additional sizable archaeology on the surface of, of Mars that you find that's fascinating?
2: Uh, On on Mars, okay, so the work I did following um, You know my involvement with Dick Hoagland and and uh, the initial Mars group um, Led me you know into collaborations with SPSR you mentioned um, Society for planetary study research and there's several dozen uh, researchers um, some more or less active these days. Um, and I, I, I got alerted to other formations, mostly in Sidonia, I would say, um, in that same general area. And the Sidonia controversy is really about, not necessarily just about the face and the pyramids, but it's about that sort of general area on Mars that look like, in, based on uh, discoveries after Mars, Global surveyor got to Mars in the late 90s, early uh, mm-hmm. 2000s. That there was, uh, you know, evidence of an ancient sea in that area. Now, uh, you know, more recent discoveries have shown you know, ancient, ancient seas or, or uh, lakes, paleo, paleo lakes, and other parts of Mars. And and some of these newer discoveries are, you know, the context is interesting because they're near these paleo lakes, um, which you know suggests that you know, maybe. The, there. They are real because of just based on their location, um, they're unusual-looking structures, and they're kind of in the right the right location. Um, I would say uh, around that time, early two thousand, uh, shortly after Mars Global Surveyor and THEMIS, I kind of I kind of wrapped up my involvement uh, with Mars. I didn't see much more happening. Uh, I, I saw people discovering other things that were similar, um, more or less compelling, but, you know, no, no smoking gun. And um, okay. I actually got involved in some local archaeology projects and actually got experience in doing ground and field work, which, you know, as, a, as an image analyst, uh, someone that worked with satellite photos, I never really had much. So, you know, that kind of helped me with, you know, gave me a better perspective on things. You and, got your shoes um, dirty, huh? I got my shoes dirty. So, what I thought where you were you going with this? And I just want to get it in before three o'clock. Um, what kind of got me out of retirement was some folks finding some unusual features on the far side of the moon. And you know, we're going to be going to the moon probably before Mars. It's easier to get to, and yeah. um, there could be some important strategic reasons to get to the moon. And, um, there, you know, using a lot of these same methods, there appear to be structures on the far side, uh, in a crater called Paracelsus, um, that look very unusual and they may possibly lead underground and underground moon is now kind of the, you know, the, the rage because they're finding these sinkholes where they've, thought they were craters but they're actually sinkholes and they're underground they reveal underground caverns large underground areas that could be really suitable for habitation so I know you probably don't want to get too much into this now but there's maybe a whole show talking about the moon really interesting stuff anyway okay and 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 these areas this you know the discovery of such things on the moon was also predicted by Sagan in 1960-61 so it's interesting, interesting how these things happen.
0: Yeah, um, I, th- this is a question for all three of you. Um, the 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 last well, the current rover on Mars and the one before that um, Opportunity, I think, um, took photographs of various sections of valleys and um, hills. And I mean, it's it's constantly shooting photographs. It's a pretty good camera. Yeah, what what's coming up? and has been coming up for the last few years is images of what appears to be, with just some basic fine-tuning in the in the actual uh, photographs, of the collapsed buildings, uh, 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 machinery, uh, engine parts, and stuff like that. And of course, a lot of this is crap. A lot of this is people looking at rocks and going, <laughs> hey, that looks like a top of an engine, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of it including a couple of sculptures, especially this one of this woman, and I can't remember what part it is. Hey, those are flat-out sculptures. I mean, there's just no way you can BS that stuff. Uh, M- Mark, have you seen any of these photographs uh, that appear uh, sh- to show great, great disruption on the surface? I mean, just a, 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 a destructive force that would destroy a planet. And, and, of course, John, we'll get into your situation and the, and the nuclear expo- uh, Explosions in a minute, but what do you do? You have any idea about any of that? Have you seen any of those photographs? Well,
2: I don't think I've seen the ones you're you're mentioning now. I, I have seen a number of them, and back when uh, in the early rover missions, um, you know, Dick Dick Holand would you know show these to me, and he'd be going on about towers on the moon and all these other structures. I think I kind of became a persona non grata. Uh, In his eyes, when I said, "You know, this is these are these are are JPEG, you know, image compression artifacts. You're looking at features that are at the resolution of the sensor, and and you have compression algorithms. You know, we all know what compression algorithms do. You look at our TV, our TV picture is compressed, and so you know, I don't. And so I'm I'm not giving you the answer you're perhaps you're looking for, but I think uh, I haven't seen anything that isn't that doesn't have some natural explanation but that is that's but okay. i haven't seen all the pictures you're talking about so um i'd be happy to take a look at them but so far no i haven't seen anything that's uh that's compelling
0: okay um uh, george or john uh, and i can't remember the name of the location but there's a very well documented sculpture of a woman uh who's standing or sitting up on a platform looking down into what probably is a uh, was one at one time a garden or something? Do either one of you ref- uh, remember that one or, or have a reference to
4: it? Uh, I guess it, it, it's, it betrays my <laughs> the way my mind works. I'm I, I may have seen that picture, but what impressed me was the thing that looks like a circular piece of clockwork.
0: Oh, right. Have
4: you seen that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it looks like an eroded or partly fossilized uh, piece of. Uh, you know, clockwork or a valve, you know, like a somebody said it was like a, a, you know, a four-sided faucet valve, something Mm -hmm. like that, I guess, uh, you know. uh, All I can uh, remember is I haven't seen anything that looks like Kim Kardashian. (laughs)
0: Jesus. (laughs) I know, well.
4: (laughs) Anyway, I'm just saying that um, I have seen some of the pictures from the rovers and some of the stuff does look like wreck stuff, uh, The uh, on my website I have this what we call the Aztec idol that looks like, uh, you know, just a carved idol sitting out there on the surface of Mars. And yeah and uh, my, my joke about it was that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty much focused on the big stuff at Cydonia and a place called Galaxus Chaos. There's another place, Deuteronilus. Right pyramids of Elysium I'm mostly focused on the big stuff and but if if we're right of course and I, I'm absolutely convinced we are now you're going to find as George has gone to these other areas and found all this other stuff it, it's, Mars just crawls with archaeology and it's typical that Murphy's Law would, would come into being where they would send the rover to the place where they would probably hope to avoid taking a picture by accident of some of this stuff, yeah. and yet they're driving along and by accident, they take two images of this Aztec idol. It's all up on my uh, website, lifeonmars.pub. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I think yes, you're going to find all sorts of things. What would be fascinating about a study of the woman sculpture is, you know, if it turns out to be real archaeology, it shows that they were extremely humanoid.
0: Yeah. yeah no, These people quite,
4: didn't just kind human. of look sort of humanoid. They were very yeah. human.
0: Yeah. No, okay, it's not I like right there. I They're our cousins, brought, you know. I just, it, well,
2: I, uh, I just brought that up. I, I, I have not seen this. It's, uh, it says here, not a hoax. Mars rover photographs Mayan Aztec head style. It's it's unbelievable. This is not a fake. This is uh, this is pretty. Oh yeah,
1: the the, the, the,
2: the, the Aztec
4: idol, yeah. I call it, or that's what I heard. I had it not referred seen to. that before. Yeah, yeah. check this it out. Right just, right along just do Google of, uh, Aztec idol on Mars yeah. and yeah, I have it right my here. God, what yep. what I had fun entertaining an audience with the meeting afterwards that this somehow got released without no one had noticed it in the picture, and then you know. Mm-hmm. We have a million eyes now looking at everything that comes from Mars. This has become a group project, and exactly. you know, I just imagine the meeting at JPL afterwards, and somebody, some manager, screaming at his subordinates, "Who let this out?
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> Who screwed up? Well, exactly." That, that hey,
4: um,
3: head that Dr. Brandenburg is showing—it's it. not very big in the image. It's probably no more than no, it's not very big in the image. It's
4: something, in fact, you wouldn't even notice. Unless you were looking carefully, I didn't notice it. Somebody yeah. else did. Yeah. Right. And then I, um, fa- I found a second image of the yeah. of the face of the object, and you know it, the teeth. You know, it's got big teeth in it, and the yeah. teeth look human. It looks like a caricature of a human being with big, you know, big uh, flat teeth.
0: Yeah.
3: Looks like and, and bob, square SquarePants.
0: Yes, yeah, SpongeBob square yeah hey George uh, the planet was fairly heavily populated at one time just for you know, this wreckage and this destruction
4: yeah it was heavily uh, populated
0: but uh, but but George what is uh I know you're you're big on uh Cerberus right now but is, is there like uh uh some rover images that you found were just very compelling uh of uh surface feature uh, or ruins? I mean I I have to. Be, the problem with the, these images is that it's true. You, you, if you look at one image from one angle, it looks like this, and then if you change the angle, it looks well, wait a minute. And, it, and, and then many times we're getting a two-dimensional perspective, and we don't truly know. But some, right. of, these, well, a some lot of, these of these images areas, are pretty the, sharp. The,
3: a lot of these areas, when the rover's driving by, they, they take numerous pictures, like uh, yeah. the uh, Aztec head. There's, there's two of those at different angles. So uh, I've got a whole uh, file full of uh, anomalous-looking surface features that the rover has passed by. I can send some to Mark uh, if he'd like to take a look at some of them. Uh, there's yeah. some really strange stuff, and it's it's pretty clear. The, the rover's taken them. Usually they're in the distance. Um, you would think that if they saw them in their... You know their daily briefings of what they're looking at. They'd say, "Hey, let's drive the rover over there where that mechanical thing looks like in the background. <laughs> so it doesn't look like the four rocks that are sitting next to it. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, is it uh, just um, stepped uh, erosion or whatever? But you would think it would cause a curiosity to go over and look at it, but they don't. No, they just, they no, drive by you." you... And then, as soon as they find a nice rock that looks like a rock, you know, they'll go over closely and take some pictures of it, and they'll put the tester on there, and they'll do some <laughs> sniffing of the rock and see what it's made of. But if they see one of these pieces that, you know, it's all over the Facebook, there's a lot of groups that do this. A lot of them are over processed, like uh, Mark says, and it's all pixelated and yeah uh, yes, uh, it.
1: But, And yes.
3: the guy I think you're talking about, Cliff, is uh, Alfred Webb, who found this little teeny uh, dark shadowing of a look like a mermaid sitting on a rock I mean it's very very small and the media was all over it It was on CNN news it was on ABC news it was on Huffington Post did stories a couple years ago it was all over the internet and you know I've had a few science papers published and I've sent them links to the papers and no interest at all but you know (laughs) you find a little find a little blurry picture of something looks like a mermaid and it's all over the internet and it's all over the news but
4: most,
3: yeah. I think that's what most intelligent like,
4: people have despaired for the human race as a whole.
3: Yeah, yeah, they, they like George, the cool and you're, you're and confronting
4: that—that that they're interested in stuff that they're not. It, you know, the, here's the really scientific, the big science, and they're not interested in that. They're interested in something that looks like a little mermaid or something.
3: Exactly. And it got a and, lot
0: of uh, Yeah, it did.
3: It's uh, like Shakespeare.
0: Yeah. The, the thing we quite talking unique about, about the, this the, is that um, I think we've been sensitized to these possibilities simply because of this face on Mars, the simple face, right. the DNM pyramid. And, and any, any of the early, early pieces of work have been in our consciousness now for a couple of decades. And we want to know. We want to know. And that's why uh, there's hundreds of groups that are spinning off these images from the rover. Uh, And and there's one site that Mike Barra has in his book where it's literally a whole section on mechanical parts. And he identifies engine parts, he identifies uh, machinery, (laughs) and uh, uh, and you have to wonder, well, are, are you sure? Well, I mean, he's getting... And processing these He consulted
4: a diesel mechanic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's processing these images to the level probably over-processing, which is something that Mark was hinting on could be an issue. And um, I think that's the biggest problem is, you know, here's a, a rover. Yes, it's got a good camera, but who knows what the atmospheric conditions are uh, and, you know, uh, uh, reflections and things like that can take place that really, really... Um, can cause uh, a person to uh, speculate. When most of us, if it was on another, if it was on Earth, you'd go like, "Oh, that's just a, a clump of dirt," you know what I mean? So, but well, let's move on. Pre- um, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead.
4: No, I was just saying. I can predict that someone will do a doctoral thesis on the on the mounds of Cerberus on Mars at some point,
1: uh-huh. and
4: you know, get a professorship because of it.
1: Okay, but, well, that's you know, exactly where I am to now. That's an, and that's an area now. of
4: Mars that's not going yeah. to be investigated initially. It's going to be Cydonia and Galaxis Chaos and things like this. But still, it's very important. It's all part of the same pic- big picture.
0: Yes, yes. Now, this is good. I'm glad you, you, you touched on that, John, because uh, uh, George has uh, presented some fascinating fo- photographs from Cerberus uh, that I have posted on the Facebook page, and perhaps the best image I've seen is uh, a comparison with a um, uh, an Iraqi pyramid, a step pyramid um, that is outstanding. And, and the ruin uh, is shown side by side with a ruin of the step pyramid, this Mars ruin and the step pyramid on Earth. It's indistinguishable. Uh, and I found it was fascinating. George, tell us a little bit about this, this, uh, this area, Seboros, C- and uh, where it's located.
3: Well, the, the image you're talking about, the, the temple that's compared to the um, uh, Iranian or Sumerian uh, ruin, uh, that's in the uh, thread up on the site called the Temples and Ruin, and that's in uh, Terra uh, Surium. That's, that's not in... Uh, the Cerberus region. It's okay. a different uh, region. But I know that's one of your favorite. Uh, I it's mean, great. everybody that looks at that says it's artificial. It's so symmetrical. It's pretty amazing. Uh, anybody yeah. out there listening, if you're on the Cedonia Institute discussion board, it, it's in the uh, the temples and ruin section of the, the discussion board there. Just click on that, and or just look at the image there that uh, Cliff has put up on his Facebook page for the radio program. And mm-hmm. it basically just shows uh NASA took this picture back in, I think, 2000. Uh, this was a uh, Mars Global uh, Surveyor image, and they just frame it right down the middle. It's like they knew what they were taking a picture of. They they were focusing on this formation. It wasn't one of these uh, broad oh. expansive views. I mean, it's just right there, right in the center of the frame. And Ooh, this this image looks like a foundation. It's It's pretty amazing. You can see walls and structures, very mechanical looking.
0: Yeah. Huh. Very sharp edges. Yeah, it's uh, one my, of the my, best. By the way, Mike, I've seen Yeah, go ahead.
4: I was going to mention my joke about uh, the JPL scientists. They're all geologists, and if they saw a lizard on a rock on Mars, <laughs> they would use the robot arm to shoo the lizard away so they could take a better picture of the rock. <laughs> and if you ask <laughs> them why true. they did this, they would. The, the geologist would say, "The rock will tell me more."
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, I don't
3: know if Dr. Brandenburg or Mark uh, Carlotto has had a chance to look at the, the Temples and Ruin section, but uh, there's uh, numerous other formations uh, w- which are all in the same vicinity of each other. They're all surrounding all these, these similar temples. Uh, and everything in this Temples in Rubble section, everything there is symmetrical. It, it's amazing. I have like yeah. six examples, and one of the most amazing things is that these are all just perfectly symmetrical formations that are in drastic uh,
0: uh, uh, Bruin. decay. Yeah. They're in pretty bad shape. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, uh, again, I'm going to be posting a number of these photographs on the Facebook page. Uh, George has referenced his Cydonia Institute, tons of great photographs there. Uh, this one photograph we're referring to is just a beauty. It's like, uh, uh it, it's been degraded to the point where it looks like the early portions of the foundation, where they're pouring the, the foundation of a building, and it's yeah the top was uh, blown
3: right off. Yeah. yeah,
0: the top was blown off. Beautiful, beautiful piece of uh, photography, and I, uh, it's like a, for a, it should be used for a book cover. Hint, hint. Uh, anyhow,
3: um, and there's, let's there's move three on. images uh, of reference for this, so it's not just like NASA would say a trick of light. We have confirmation yeah. in three different images of this area, yeah. so it's pretty they pretty exciting back. place to look.
0: I think you're right. I think they did go back and reimage that section because it's, it, those are outstanding photographs. Um, Mark, uh, in your book, The Sidonia Controversy, you um, speculate a great deal on, on the uh, uh, beans that were there, and you use a term called exoarchaeology. Can you explain what you believe exoarchaeology is?
2: well i don't think it, it i don't think it, it it isn't anything right now but if these um these uh this phenomenon that we're seeing on mars these um these structures and artifacts turn out to be real then suddenly there's a new field and that's what it is it's uh, it's really the study of extraterrestrial archaeology or exoarchaeology uh archaeology beyond our planet um it's, you know, like I said earlier, it's the second data point. Right now we have a very anthropomorphic sort of way of looking at everything. Everything is in terms of man. But if we start, you know, if you have another civilization we encounter and they're humanoid, well, hmm, that makes it interesting. Or, uh, But if they're completely different, you know, that's these will all be, um, uh, you know, it's the next step that we'll take as a, as a multi planetary species, if that's in fact what we're to become. So that's, that's what it could be. But right now, I think a lot of it's speculation. I don't think you want to get too carried away with it because it it is, I mean, again, you know, I, you probably gather, I'm a little bit more conservative than, than others. And and, you know, I, I'm not going to stick my neck out. I have to have some sort of factual basis and Mm -hmm. you know, we're not quite there yet, but we could be in a few years.
0: Okay. But let me ask you this. Uh, this term, exo which you refer to as alien archaeology, would yep. you, uh, do you believe there's any reference of it here on Earth that you would consider alien archaeology? <laughs> uh,
2: privately, I think you know, anything on this planet that we can't explain uh, is, a, is, a, is a candidate. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, you know, and there's there's
0: many examples of that, uh, you know, Okay, well that, uh, that's why I want to ask you, you wanna, because you it, 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 the, the problem it's not a problem, but it is a little bit for my program, Earth Ancients We I do my best to steer away from ancient alien theorists um, uh, uh, even though uh, there is great evidence for uh, very, very advanced uh, science in a lot of construction and buildings and things, but I'd be curious if you, uh, you know, you got a chance to do some digs and things like that. If you had a, a, an idea, if you looked at a, a structure that was very odd, if you would categorize it, you know, and maybe you feel like you can't say it, but an exo-archaeological site, what would you say? Is there any examples of that? On
2: On Earth? Yeah. When, from from yeah. From you know from. Uh, I mean, I haven't actually been there, but I think uh, uh, Tiwanaku is a is a really good example. I mean, there you know there are. Uh, um, it's not granite. I forget the kind of stone it is. It's very hard, and it appears uh, the best theories are that it was molten. These 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 shapes were were cast. Uh, hmm. The melt the, the rock was melted. That defies any technology. Uh, even probably even by today's standards, I think, uh, it's, there's no explanation for it. So when you can't explain, explain it based on the indigenous civilization or technology, mm-hmm. I think by default, that leads to, uh, an exo or ex, extraterrestrial, um, uh, an external, uh, you know, explanation.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Tiwotihuacan is a monstrosity and, uh, uh, up close, the pyramid of the sun is is in a state of of uh, of decay, but it it still was reproduced or uh, uh, excavated in such a way that the the foundation of the structure is in place, and it's a monstrosity. It's huge, so yeah, I can see that. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I I just say that for the reason that I have a belief. And it's just my belief based on on my understanding of Greek history and Roman history that they felt very uh, a a great kinship for Mars and that we in some respects and there's no way of knowing it our morphology our ancestral past may have come from another planet and my feeling is it may have come from Mars but total speculation. Uh, we're not at a level of sophistication where we can look at our DNA, uh, and there's no way of, of capturing a, uh, uh, an alien body that we know about from Mars and comparing our DNA and comparing our, our cellular structure. But, um, there's something about Mars that has fascinated earthlings for, for centuries, for thousands of years. And so, uh, when you say exoarchaeology, uh, I just, I just find, uh, and, and I'll also lead to this, and, and there's been a number, and Hoagland, Hoagland features this, there's been a number of images that are pyramidal shape, and we have pyramids on the Earth. Uh, there's a couple of different sphinx uh, uh, objects, one that's massive, uh, I can't remember what the area is. Obviously, we have an example of the sphinx in Egypt, uh, so again, this is speculation, but there's a tremendous amount of similarities in, in our two planets that makes uh, it, it quite interesting to consider. So,
2: you know, I just like to comment on uh, on this, and you know, you you made mention of the Greeks and you know, our fascination with Mars. And a lot of what the Greeks knew, they co-opted from the East, uh, from Sumerians and you know the Eastern traditions, Eastern cosmology, talks about time scales, uh, the yugas that are uh, millions and you know the t- millions and millions of years, and they count. You know even the Mayans, you know, their long count, they deal they deal in extremely long frames of time. Yes. Um, this this suggests that perhaps our Western view is much more myopic; that we think only in terms of you know the rise of you know, modern man, quote unquote, in in, in Western Europe, uh, and then you know that and that was the beginning, and then everything else is you know has as sort of followed from that, and kind of a monotonic you know uh, um, evolution or or um, development. But you know, the Eastern um, traditions talk about time frames that are much much longer, and these are time frames not with dinosaurs and primitive life forms but with with uh, you know beings intelligent conscious uh, you know spiritual beings if you will so you know what do we make of that i mean all this is uh i like to think this is all one equation and you know everything's all the terms have to balance out all this you know the truth has to sort of take all this into account so that's why i think the stuff on mars is, is really old and i think there's a lot of stuff on earth that's not explained in terms of our development as a as a technological society, perhaps it was yeah. an earlier, um, uh, you know, a pre-antediluvian uh, um, pre-flood civilization. There's, you know, a lot of people love to speculate about that, and that's a yeah. tradition all over the planet. All, you know, uh, tens, of hundreds of, of of cultures speak of of flood or flood-like events,
1: exactly. and uh, you
2: know, Mars was ravaged by floods. Right. There's all these signs of massive uh, water erosion that occurred. And, you know, so I don't know. It, there's so much we don't know. I think that's exciting. I, 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 I don't I don't want to say, yes, this is the way it is, because we don't have even close to. Uh, I mean, we have, like I said earlier, one data point. So let's let's hold off judgment for a while, collect some more data. Let's get to Mars. We really need to get there.
0: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I Got to, to have
3: those feet on the ground.
0: We got to get up Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Um, I, I, it's funny because I, I am so disappointed with NASA, and I was so uh, uh, gratified with this uh, European Space Agency's uh, 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 camera on their satellite. The photos were just wonderful, and so many authors use those rich photographs not only of Cydonia but other regions of, of the planet. And uh, it just—it was just. To me, it was almost like a slap in, in NASA's face. Well, if you're going to restrict us from uh, seeing the good stuff, the Europeans are going to take some photographs, and now the Chinese are <laughs> going to be over there. And and I, I'm I'm encouraging. I mean, it's really tough to land a rover on any planet, but the Chinese are going to attempt it, you know. And hey, more power to them. If if NASA's not going to come up and uh, and uh, reveal what what's there, you know, hey, somebody else is going to do it. So. Of course, right. I'm, a, I'm an American, so I'm hoping we, you know, they do come clean and, and show us what what we need to see, what we want to see. But I want it to be in my lifetime. <laughs> well, NASA works
3: much better when there's a competition out there, like Russia at one time. But you know, then we were the only one doing the uh, research, so they kind of uh, had complete control until recent times with and, you know Very Japan true. and China. So,
0: yeah. Right. We'll see what happens. Well, listen, we're getting down to our we're getting down to our program. I want to touch on a couple of things, John. I want to talk with you. Uh, yeah. In our last conversation here, we we talked about your discovery of uh, two nuclear uh, weapons were uh, and their explosion over the surface of the planet. Bas- basically. basically, we
4: have nuclear weapons signature on Mars. Yeah, well,
0: you have signature. Massive nuclear now, weapons Now, at the signature. beginning of the program, you mentioned you had uh, some new information on the isotopes. Well, you, why don't you go ahead and present that? If yeah, there
4: there are two big isotopic anomalies on Mars. One is the Xenon-129 anomaly, which sticks out like a sore thumb. Everywhere else in the solar system and every reservoir that we're aware of, of like meteorites and things like solar wind, etc., the Xenon-129 to 132 abundance ratio is roughly one. On Mars, it's two and a half... Xenon-129 is two and a half times... uh, what it is what the 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 amount of 132 so it sticks out like a sore thumb and people have tried to explain this by saying well iodine 129 decayed and mars lost its early atmosphere but that would have to mean that mars new atmosphere was very thin like it is now from early times and that's ridiculous mars obviously had a very dense thick atmosphere The only sources for Mars' atmosphere are either the Mars basement rocks or meteorites or comets, and we've now been able to get the xenon-129-132 ratio for all of those things, and they're all one. So something obviously very strange happened on Mars. The other thing that sticks out like a sore thumb on Mars is uh, the nitrogen, 14 versus 15, Normally, nitrogen-14 is the most abundant element, most abundant isotope in our atmosphere, and it's also most abundant in the Martian atmosphere, but there's about 50% more nitrogen-15 on Mars, and the only process they know of that can do that is uh, solar wind fractionation, breaking up nitrogen molecules, that would create nitrates on Mars, Nitrates, so many nitrates that would cover Mars to the depth of several feet. And they found just only traces of nitrates. So the Xenon, the, the xenon 129 is an enormous uh, anomaly on Mars. Now the, the nitrogen 15 is an enormous anomaly also, and it turns out when you set off a nuclear weapon, the neutrons combine with the nitrogen in the air, the nitrogen-14, and they release a gamma ray when they do that. So one of the deadly aspects of a nuclear weapon going off is that the air actually becomes a radiator of gamma rays because of absorbing these neutrons from the bomb, and it makes a bunch of nitrogen-15. So the two big anomalies on Mars are actually explained by this Uh, nuclear weapon hypothesis and nothing else. I mean, they don't have any other natural phenomena that can explain this. And so uh, that's a recent uh, the the nitrogen 15 result is a recent result um, and you can read about it in a book called The Effect of Nuclear Weapons. Uh, You'll find out that a lot of the gamma rays from a nuclear weapon are actually created in the atmosphere by nitrogen uh, combining with neutrons. So okay. and
0: w- we've found John, that out now. What is, the, now. B- what is yes. the basis of, um, uh, uh, what, based on your understanding of weaponry the, and the decay rate of these isotopes, when would are the, when would are the, the uh, bombs have
4: been? Uh, well, spruned? the, the not, as iodine-129 is stable, and so is nitrogen-15. So once they form, they hang around for a long time. The isotopes that we're using to basically date what happened on Mars mm-hmm. are um, uh, potassium forty, which decays into argon forty. There's a big. If you look at the characteristic gamma rays from uh, potassium forty, uh, there's a big hot spot on Mars at, near Sidonia and another one near a place called uh, Galaxis Chaos. It's also called right. Utopia. And archaeologists have found in both sides. There's another face at, uh, at uh, Galaxus Chaos. And right. so that has a long, long life. It's like uh, a billion years half-life. Oh, so it has a very long memory. Now, what's interesting is we don't find this... Chorus- we find the corresponding hotspot in Thorium, which also has a very long half-life. But we don't find it in the shorter-lived... Uh, isotopes such as iron which has a you know like a couple million years so basically all of that radioactive stuff has decayed already what's only left is the very long-lived isotopes and this indicates what happened on Mars which looks like it was a massive nuclear attack from space because Amazing. the weapons apparently blew off, blew up in midair. They created, covered thousands of miles of Mars, square miles of Mars, with glass called trinitite. Yeah. And filled the atmosphere with that, and they re irradiated the surface rocks. So some of the Mars meteorites look like they've been in a nuclear reactor. So all of this happened, however, it looks like probably half a billion to a quarter billion years ago. It was a okay. long time ago. Whoever oh did this God. is long yeah. gone.
0: Thank yeah. God. It, it, that's just amazing to hear that, and uh, uh, these isotopes now, are these signatures of the signatures of this of this weapon. So,
1: right. so that's, now, that's, that's, I also that's very point, interesting.
4: I want to point out also, based on my own analysis of the ruins on Mars, it looks like it was a primitive Bronze Age civilization. I mean, that's mm-hmm. based on an Earth reference. Yeah. The things that things that we find on Mars that are similar to on Earth were made by primitive bronze age or early late stone age civilizations. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the technological level on Mars of the civilization was, but it looks primitive. This means yeah. it looks like somebody else came along. And dropped two enormous hydrogen bombs on Mars, as big as the Empire State Building, and then left after destroying. Yeah. They wanted to destroy Mars utterly so it would never hold life again. It, it's Amazing. possible some things survived, and thousands of years later, a, a, civiliz- a primitive civilization rose again, but it doesn't yeah. look like it. It looks like it was destroyed basically in a day.
0: Wow. And that's a you know, tragic. It is tragic, people. and it's scary. it's scary to think of. Um, and we've talked about this before. It's just, you know, the, the, the sight of a, of a ruined planet is, is disgusting, and it's, uh, it's upsetting. I don't think we, we consider the ramifications. Um, no. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. George Haas of the Sedoni uh, Institute, uh, Dr. Thanks, Mark Carlato. Mark, I, I hope to have you on again sometime in the future. We should and, have Mark uh, on again. And,
4: uh, you should have uh, Mark on again.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, John, it's always a pleasure having you on. Uh, we could talk about this forever. We could go on for four hours, six hours. We could go and I could do multiple it's a, programs. It's a great
4: honor to be on your show, and especially with my distinguished colleagues. Uh, I'm very proud of my association with them. Thanks. Yes. I agree. I agree. Yeah,
3: here, here. I agree. Right.
4: <laughs> you guys
3: have done great work. very good discussion. Thanks, uh, gentlemen, for coming on with Cliff.
0: I appreciate it. And, um, uh, before I leave, I want to make sure that everyone, uh, gives out their websites. If you have them, uh, we have, uh, George Haas, the uh, director at the Cydonia Institute. Uh, you can go to the Cydonia Institute.com. He has great photographs. I'll be posting a few on my Facebook page, but George has a nice catalog of, of some, some recent work that I would suggest you go to. Um, Dr. John, uh, what's what's your website again, John?
4: Uh, it's just called Life on Mars, one word, lifeonmars.pub, like an English pub. Right.
0: Yeah, and you're fairly and, good about uh, Also, there's the, the book
4: color, uh, Death so. on Mars.
0: Right. Perfect. Uh, and, Mark, do you have a website?
2: I do. It's, it's called it's Carlotto, C A R L O T T O. dot US. And there's a bunch of stuff. I'm kind of all over the place, but there are links okay. to Mars and to books and other projects.
0: Okay, great. Okay, so there you go. you got all three um, websites. I will be posting some more information from this show, uh, The Ruins of Mars. Gentlemen, thank you. Have a great holiday, and uh, we'll be in touch.
3: You too, Cliff. You too. Thanks a lot, Cliff. Uh,
1: Bye-bye.
0: All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, There is so much more we could talk about, so much more. Uh, it was really a pleasure to have Mark Carlotto. Mark is one of the first independent uh, scientists to really look at these images and, and really verify that they were artificial. Um, until we get on that planet, foot on the ground, uh, there's just no way to verify it without first sight uh, humans, earth humans being on that surface. So, uh Wonderful, wonderful program, and I thank all my guests for being uh, on the program today. Uh, next week, we have The Pyramid Hoax with uh, Scott uh, Cranton. We've had Scott on before. Um, I, I think you're going to find it fascinating, and um, that'll be on next Saturday the 10th. Remember, this program is sponsored by Gaia. And they are offering a new program, Gaia.com forward slash Earth Ancients. You can sign up for 99 cents and hear quite a few of our guests. Uh, In fact, hundreds of the people that have been on the show are featured on that program. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you next time.